Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. I am so thankful for everybody who came out to our big barbecue last weekend. We ate a lot of delicious barbecue. We had friends from the neighborhood who had never been to our church before. People stopped by and said, I've never seen this neighborhood as joyful as it is right now. And that's exactly what the church should be. When a church moves into the neighborhood, the neighbors should say, great, we finally have a church in the neighborhood. And uh, so that's what we're doing over on our new Glendora campus. And I appreciate all of you who came, all of you who barbecued, all of you who volunteered, all of you who brought friends along. Uh, it, was a, it was a great party. That's exactly, exactly what real life is known for. And uh, so I'm thankful for all of you who took part in that. And there are more big parties to come as we lean into Christmas and our Christmas Eve services that are right around the corner. That will be a, a beautiful, festive, nostalgic party as well. So I look forward to seeing you uh, at that. Uh, along with all your friends. Today we're going to round out our series uh, of studies that we've been doing now called Listening to God, in which we've been looking at different stories in the Scripture of someone who heard from God and what that means for us when we go and seek to listen to God's Word to us. And I've been thinking about the the hardest questions we face when we we go to listen to God. The, The hardest questions we face about, is this my imagination maybe, or is it actually God speaking? How would I know if the voices that I think I'm hearing, the, 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 the inclinations that I think I'm having, how do I know if they're really from God or if they're just me or maybe something worse? It reminded me of a time when I was a kid and my family moved from one state to another state. And so you have to go through all the, the difficulty of packing up and moving and making new friends and everything. But one of the exciting points was, was looking at a new house. My family was moving to a new place and we were looking around at a new house. And when you're a little kid, exploring an empty house that you've never been in before is really exciting. And I remember there was this time where we went and we were walking around a new house. And this is going to, this is going to tell you how, how old I am. We, we went to the house and at the front door, they had this amazing state of the art, cutting edge technology where you could push a button and talk through an intercom to somebody who is inside the house. I mean, this is back then, this was CIA-level technology. I mean, just to give you a sense of how old I am, you would use the intercom to warn the family if there was a brontosaurus walking down the street. That's how old this was. Before the internet, before the cell phone, what we had was an intercom, and it was incredible. And if you're like an elementary school student, middle school student, and you see this new big empty house that's got an intercom system, you think, technology is amazing. We have arrived. Tomorrow I'll be walking on the moon. So anyway, we're walking around this new house, and it's two levels, which is amazing for me and my, my younger sister as well. And so she's probably in elementary. I might have been in middle school at the time. And, and we're running around this, this empty house while my parents are downstairs with a realtor. And we're upstairs in these bedrooms exploring corners, and, you know, it's new. You don't know what's there. You've never seen it before. You don't know what might be around the corner. And then, in the stillness of this empty house, we heard a disembodied voice coming from the walls, which said, you'd better get out of this house. And my sister and I both went, ah! And we went running down the stairs to go and find our parents. 
And in that sprint to safety, I had real questions about how to discern what voices I was hearing. What am I hearing? Is that, is that a hallucination? That can't be real, can it? Or could it be a ghost or something worse? And as I'm running down the stairs, I'm asking questions like, why did that disembodied voice sound so much like the voice of my dad? And then I thought, you know, technology might not be all that great after all. If this intercom thing catches on and one day there's like social media where everybody can talk to everybody else, that's probably not going to be such a good thing. But the most important questions I ask today when I, when I pray and when I listen to God are, are how do I know what's, what's me? How do I know when, I, when I'm just thinking my own thoughts or how do I know when God is speaking to me or how could I discern if there are certain voices that I shouldn't listen to? Because sometimes you know you have that moment where you, you have a great idea and it's an inspiration. The word inspiration literally comes from, from being filled with the Spirit, in the Spirit. We are inspired and we have this great idea that seems like it came from nowhere. And we might say, wait, that's a great idea, but did I think of that? Was that just neurochemistry? Or was that a divine, transcendent moment? What was that? Or sometimes there are, are harder moments where I have a voice of self-doubt in my head, which says, you failed before and you're going to fail again. And I think, is that, is that just me? Could that, be a, could that be God scolding me? Because that doesn't sound like the voice of Jesus. What, what might that be? Or you might have known uh, people in your life who struggled with mental illness and heard very dark voices telling them to hurt themselves. What exactly is that? And how do I discern? How do I know which voices to listen to? Well, I want to go back to the scriptures again. And I want to look at another story of somebody who heard from God and see what we can discern from that story about how we ourselves should listen to God. Let's take a minute and pray and see what we hear. Jesus, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you want to speak to us. You want us to be in dialogue with you, depending on you and listening to you. I, I, I thank you that you call us to recognize the voice of our shepherd. So help us to listen, help us to hear, and keep us faithful. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today I want to open to the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church. Jesus has lived and died and risen again and ascended into heaven. And now the early Christians are spreading throughout the Mediterranean world, taking the gospel of Jesus everywhere they go, starting Christian communities. And in Acts chapter 10, we see a special moment of God speaking to the apostle Peter and sending Peter to go and meet a man named Cornelius to introduce Cornelius to Jesus. This is in Acts chapter 10 at verse 1. Listen to the word of God. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Now, just to flesh out the, the historical context a little bit, Caesarea was a major city on the water. It had a port that hosted about 300 ships at a time. The, the Romans had built a giant theater there that sat probably 3,500 people. And, uh, and the Italian Regiment was actually sort of what we call the military reserves. It was probably more of a volunteer corps. And so Cornelius is a guy who has 
ascended to the peak of Roman nobility. The, the goal of Roman nobility, of Roman honor, was to, to succeed so well that you could spend your life in works of public service, where you could be so successful that you gave back. And it's especially noble that Cornelius would volunteer to serve in the Italian regiment. This would be, before there were fire departments, this was the, the volunteer fire brigade. These were the people that you called in times of help when the, the official centurions were not nearby. So, so, so uh, Cornelius is living a noble life. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. When the Bible gives us times of the day like that, it's to say this is a historical event that happened at a specific time in a specific place. The author, Luke, is grounding this in history. At about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God. And the Greek word here that's translated distinctly is used elsewhere in the New Testament to mean publicly. When... Jesus heals a man and says, now don't go tell anybody that I just did that. Uh, the scripture says, instead, the man went out and distinctly, publicly began to tell everyone what Jesus had done. So when it says uh, Cornelius distinctly uh, saw an angel of God, it means publicly, visibly with his eyes, saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So notice, Cornelius, by way of living a faithful life, has positioned himself to listen to God. He lives a life of prayer, of noble service, and of caring for the poor. Now, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, but just picture a parent and a child. What child is most likely to hear from their parent? The child who says, no, I don't want to listen to you, and then runs away. Or the child who stays close to the parent and says, I, I want to spend time with you. Tell me what you want. Cornelius has positioned himself to listen to God. Verse 5. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. This is the disciple of Jesus. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So now if Cornelius were a modern skeptic, if he were a critical post-enlightenment skeptic, he might say, that was some terrible pizza I had last night. I am having hallucinations. I have absolutely no reason to believe in any of that because angels aren't real and the world is just matter. If you were a true skeptic, Cornelius could attempt to ignore all this. And we in our modern day would say, yeah, that would be the right thing to do. You should question whether or not the things you're hearing are just your own imagination or just your own delusions. But the story goes on. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. I think Peter was fasting here. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals 
as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Remember, in the Jewish scriptures, it says there are all kinds of animals that they are not supposed to eat because they are unclean animals, like reptiles. There are all kinds of animals that the Jewish people are forbidden from eating in their scriptures. And so here's this vision, this voice telling him, eat all these unclean animals. And Peter thinks logically to himself, no, that's contradictory to the scriptures. I'm not going to do that. I've never done that. The voice, verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to come to ask you, uh, told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Okay, what an amazing story. Wouldn't it be great to have God speak to you just like this, where God says, Cornelius, you're going to go and meet a man named Peter. And Peter, people are coming to look for you from Cornelius. And when you ask them, why are, why are they here? They're going to say, we're here from Cornelius, just like the vision has said. If, if, they, if each of these two men only heard this vision or this voice and were skeptics, they might write it off. But there are all kinds of things here that show us why they can be confident that they are listening to God. And I want to highlight five in particular. Five things that the Scriptures, particularly in this passage, call out to us and say, if you want to listen to God, here's what to look for. Number one, God's character remains unchanged. God is not going to contradict Himself. God is consistent over time. And God's message here is, Peter, I want you to go and reach out to someone who is not a Jewish person, someone who always before you have thought was unclean. But the message of the gospel of Jesus is that God loves everyone. And Peter, I'm going to send you to what you have always before thought was unclean. But don't you call anything unclean that God has made clean. And so God calls Peter and sends him to Cornelius to introduce him to Jesus and to bring him into God's kingdom. God's message to us is always a message of invitation. He is the shepherd looking for lost sheep. We see this over and over and over again in the life of Jesus. Jesus goes to those who are broken, those who are lost, those who are outsiders, to Samaritans who are the wrong race, to adulterers who are morally corrupt, to tax collectors who are traitors and he welcomes them in. How consistent to tell Peter, you may have always thought before that the Romans were unclean, but now I tell you, go and take my message to him. God's character 
does not change. And so as we listen to God, we have to be immersed in the the world of Jesus. We have to know the teachings of Jesus. We have to memorize his teachings and mimic his life. When we memorize the teachings of Jesus and mimic his life, we're going to be immersed in his character so that when God speaks to us, we'll know, yes, that sounds like Jesus. He never contradicts his character. So if I know him well, if I memorize his teachings and mimic his life, then when he speaks, I'll recognize the voice of the shepherd. So first, we have to be uh, deeply aware of the character of God. God's character does not change. Number two, the incident is confirmed by circumstances. If God spoke to Cornelius and said, I'm going to send you to Peter, Cornelius could have said, well, that was just a hallucination. If God had spoken to Peter and says, I'm going to send you, uh, if God spoke to Cornelius to send him to Peter or Peter and send him to Cornelius, either one could have doubted it. But when God speaks to both of them at the same time and they get the same message, it gets awfully difficult to doubt that God is the one who is speaking. At that point, if they said, well, no, maybe it's just a coincidence that all this happened at the same time, we could reasonably start to suspect that they are not using skepticism as a tool for critical thinking, but instead they're using skepticism to avoid something they don't want to deal with. When God speaks into our world and multiple people hear the same thing at the same time, it's wise to tune in because God God's character does not change, and God's word is confirmed by circumstances, often of multiple messages uh, given to different people uh, at the same time. Number three, uh, Peter sees this vision three times. You notice this? This blanket comes down, and God says, kill and eat, and he goes, no, I'm not going to. And he goes, no, 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 really, kill and eat. He goes, no, I'm not going to. It happens three times. That's not incidental. This happens over and over again in the Bible. God likes to repeat himself. I'm not sure exactly why. Perhaps it's just because we're thick-headed. But God tends to repeat his message multiple times. So as we're listening to God, if if a Bible verse appears in your life more than once or twice in close succession, pay attention to that. I've seen this happen lots of times to people who are listening to God where they'll hear a Bible verse in church and then they'll hear it on the radio and then somebody will quote it to them. That's not just coincidence. Pay attention to what that message is. God will often repeat things multiple times and often through the text of Scripture. So pay attention when you hear God repeating himself. Number four, we know that God is speaking here because of the results. God sends people from Cornelius to Peter. God says, Peter, you're going to go with these guys and go meet Cornelius. And if you read on through Acts chapter 10, you see that when Peter meets Cornelius and presents to him the gospel of Jesus, Cornelius embraces it and and decides to become a Christian. He and his household are baptized. Jesus would say, good trees don't bear bad fruit, and bad trees don't bear good fruit. By your fruit, you shall know them. And so when the the fruit of this encounter, when the fruit of God speaking is someone becoming a Christian, you know God was in it. Look at the results of what happens when we listen to God. That's often an indicator of whether or not we're hearing correctly. 
And fifthly, and finally, uh, look for wise confirmation from other Christians when you're listening to God. This runs through the, the message of Scripture broadly. When we go and seek to listen to God, it's wise to go to other people who we recognize as wise Christians and say, do you think I'm hearing this rightly? In the letter to the Galatians, Paul says, though he got the message from Jesus directly, he went up to Jerusalem and saw some of the other apostles to make sure he wasn't running his race in vain. When we think we're hearing from God, it's wise to confer with other Christians and say, do you think I'm hearing this rightly or not? And those are five ways that the Bible lays out for us. If you're listening to God, here are things to look for. Here's how to distinguish between your voice and the voice of God, or maybe something worse. Now, I want to share with you um, a way that God has uh, been speaking uh, to me lately, uh, and He has spoken into my life in um, a powerful way, and it's going to change the shape of our church a little bit. It's, this is a good story, uh, and it just gets better as we go. So, uh, as you know, we moved into the building here at Valley Center in April of 2019, Easter Sunday, we worshiped here. Uh, we had been in a middle school gymnasium for almost three years before that. The way we found this building, I've told you before, but it bears repeating, uh, I sat down one night and wrote down a prayer. I hadn't written a prayer in 20 years, but I decided I was going to write down a prayer, and I wrote it in a Google Doc, and so I still have this Google Doc with this prayer in it. It's now become a long list of prayers that I've written, but this was the first one. I, I prayed, Jesus, I'll pastor this church the rest of my life if you want me to, but I need you to help me find a building. I don't know how to do that. Our rental agreement with the school was coming to an end, and we didn't have a next step in place. And so Pastor Anthony and I went out and drove around and looked at some properties, and none of them were quite, quite right. And uh, we decided we'd just sort of drive around. We didn't have a destination. We just started driving, and we drove down Valley Center past this church here, and we had never seen this church before. We didn't know it was here. We didn't know anything about it, and Pastor Anthony said, hey, there's a note in the window. Pull over. Let's go read the note, so with absolutely no plan in mind, we walk up to this building we've never seen before and read the note that's in the window that says, please join us at one of our other locations. And we realized we were standing in front of an empty church building. I could hear the smoke alarm chirping inside because nobody had changed the battery in a while. And then I looked at the, the name on the front of the building. It said Valley Center Nazarene Church. And it, it rung a bell because I had had a personal friend and mentor who was very important to me a few years ago, a guy named C.S. Coles, who's now in heaven with Jesus. And I thought, to myself, I think, I think he told me he had a church over here that he pastored at one time. I wonder if, I wonder if this was the church where he pastored. And I took a picture of the sign, and I texted it to his daughter, and I, I asked, was this your dad's church? And she said, oh, yeah, dad was a pastor there in the 70s. And I said, well, I think it's, I think it's empty. We're looking for a church. And she put us in touch with the owners of the building, and we moved in a few months later. That was January of 2019 we found it and moved in in April of 2019. It was a, it was a supernatural find. We didn't know it was here. Nobody told us about it. Nobody told us it was available. If it had gone on the market, some other church could have moved in and 
taken it. We found it before anyone knew. Well, in March of 2020, things started to change in our world, as you knew. And uh, the owners of this building called us and they said, what's your plan? You're renting the building now. Do you intend to buy it one day? And I said, yeah, I think so. And they told us what they thought it would cost, and it was a, a much higher number than we had resources for, and it didn't look like it was within reach. So I thought, well, maybe we'll just have to stay in and rent it. And I, I called a bank and asked about taking out a loan, and they said, well, you'd have to put 30% of the purchase price down. And I thought, oh, we don't, we don't even have that. I don't know how we'd ever do this. Maybe we'll just have to, have to keep renting it. Well... Then, out of the blue, as you know, a church in Glendora called us at the end of 2020 and said, hey, if we gave you our church building, would you keep the preschool open? And that's why we now own our Glendora location. And, and that deal closed. We finally got the paperwork on that building in Glendora in, in June of this year. Well, this is where it starts to get strange. Within a week of us getting the final paperwork on the Glendora property. Somebody who does not attend our church in person called me up and said, we'd like to help you buy the Valley Center property. And that family has now offered to create a matching gift fund of up to half a million dollars to help us buy this building. And all of a sudden, the the opportunity, the possibility started to come within reach. The bank came and did an assessment of the building, and it was, it was much lower than had been initially quoted to us. And we thought, uh, oh, this, it's starting to look like it, it's going to be within, within reach. Well, now this is, this is where it starts to get really shocking. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in the the front pew here at Valley Center. It was on a, a Friday. Friday's often my Sabbath day, and I had taken a day off, and I decided I was going to spend the day fasting and praying. And so I, I came down here to pray on a Friday, and I was sitting in the sanctuary by myself looking up at the, at the cross. And it was right at the moment that I, I prayed, Jesus, it feels like you're opening doors here. Will you help us? Will you help us acquire this building? And literally at that moment, not 10 minutes later, if, if it happened 10 minutes later, I would still be telling you it was amazing, this is what happened 10 minutes later. But right at that moment, my phone sitting next to me on the pew began to vibrate. Vibrating phone on a wooden pew is very loud. I still remember the sensation in the muscles in my neck looking up from the cross down to the phone next to me. And I looked, and it was, it was the bank calling. And I answered the phone and said, hello. And our representative at the bank said, well, uh, Jim, I've been talking to our vice president. And he says that since you own the Glendora property, you, you probably don't have to put 30% down on the, the Valley Center building anymore. And I said, how much, how much do I have to put down? And he said, probably close to nothing. And all of a sudden I realized... Owning this building is now within our reach. There's a half a million 
dollar matching fund that's been created. If we raise one dollar, this anonymous donor makes it two dollars. If we raise a hundred dollars, they make it two hundred dollars. If we raise half a million dollars, they'll make it a million. And the the bank has set it up so that we could potentially put down as much as we need to up front to lower the the mortgage, but it's it's not going to put us in danger anymore. It feels like God has opened the doors for us to walk through. Join me in my shoes for a minute, sitting in this front pew at the sanctuary. Imagine sitting and remembering not that long ago, worshiping in a middle school gymnasium where before I would walk out to preach a sermon on Sunday morning, I would have to sit alone in a locker room that smelled like middle school students. Imagine now sitting in this pew in this sanctuary and just being overwhelmed by the God who loves us and takes care of us. And and already overwhelmed by that God, praying that God would provide. And at exactly that moment, good news comes on the phone. I was telling this story to the staff this last week, and of course, Stacy, our children's minister, started crying. I never cry, but she cries all the time. I don't know why she cries like that. I, it hardly affects me at all, but she was crying. And so, <laughs> so I'm telling this story to them, and Pastor Anthony said, oh, there's another detail that you missed. And I said, what is that? And he said, you know the... Um, you know the video splash that we show before the sermons in a series? We, we make those in-house, and we show this video splash before every sermon in a series. He says, when, when you described what you wanted in this video for this series, you were very vague about it. You said it's about listening to God, so, you know, just images of people praying or something like that. He said there was only one detail you were very clear on. And I said, what was it? He says, you said you wanted that video to conclude with a cell phone ringing and somebody picking it up. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the one thing I cared about. Watching ministries expand is exciting. Watching buildings come available is incredible. But, but nothing is as good as knowing that God is calling. And if what you want in your life is a dialogue, a conversation with God who made you and the God who loves you and the God who wants to provide for you. He's waiting for you to enter into that conversation. Like Cornelius, make yourself available to that God. Spend time in worship and in prayer and care for the poor. Like Peter, take time to wait and to listen. Live a life dedicated to God. Immerse yourself in the life of Jesus. Memorize his teachings and mimic his life so that you'll open yourself up for his voice. And then listen to a voice that's going to be consistent with the voice of Jesus, a voice that may well repeat itself and that will be confirmed by wise Christians in your community. God wants to speak to us all the time. My main takeaway from the story of Peter and Cornelius is this. The God who made made us still wants to speak to us in order to 
reconcile himself to a broken humanity. In order to reconcile us to one another. Sending us with good news to love people whom we have always before considered our enemies. If you want that voice in your life, now's the time. I'm going to say a prayer. And if you've never said, hey, hey, Jesus, I want to be in that dialogue with you. I want to believe in you. I want to follow you. I want you to, I want you to guide my life. Now's the time. All you have to do is open your heart to him. All you have to do is put your life in his hands and say, let's see what happens when, when you lead. Do that with me now. Jesus, I thank you that you made us with good plans for us. And no matter how much we have wrecked the vision that you had for our lives, I thank you that you are a God of redemption. So come into our lives now and start to restore that which has been broken. Forgive our sins. Teach us to trust in your cross to believe in your words. Guide us to immerse ourselves in your voice. For anybody who's never prayed it before, we pray it now. Jesus, we, we want to follow you. So shake off the old us and bring on the new us. Teach me to walk in your footsteps. As I do so, may I become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.